I believe there are times when it's just the right thing to slow down and thank God for what he's doing, what he's done, what he will do, because he is the way maker. He's the one that makes this happen uh, for his glory. Uh, I think this is a perfect time to slow down and just be reminded that we have been praying for Ben and Ben. It was this time last year, we still didn't know uh, Ben Allen, and now Ben Harris is, uh, is blessing us, and, and God's giving us that. Tiffany's joining the team. In between that, Nathan and Andrea joined the team, and I do believe Brian's onto something. God is doing something special, and I believe we just need to slow down and say thank you for these answered prayers. Thank you for the protection in the way he's provided. I also want to just highlight some of my friends. Um, Matt Ludwig and his wife Carrie are in our midst today, served here for a, a long time, and Carrie's in a battle, and I just want to lift you up, and God is the way maker of yesterday, today, and tomorrow as well, and I know you know that. So we're going to pray uh, and thank God for what he's done in the past and, and right now, and what he'll do in the future through all these, these uh, pieces in his kingdom. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for Ben joining the team. God, you've answered prayers in that. In the last year, we prayed so, so much for uh, ben Harris and Ben Allen. We thank you for the Andrews family joining us. We thank you for Tiffany being able to jump on the team and, and uh, be with the children and serve in so many ways. Be with Carrie, Lord, today. Give her strength and encouragement. I thank you for their service as a family. Lord, uh, let us all today, through your text, realize that we don't have to be called out or ordained officially to be ministers and servants, but we all are because you've given us that example. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, last week we were blessed with Gary Johnson. If you missed it, check it out online on YouTube. Uh, Gary, his passion for Christ is contagious. And he made it very clear, uh, as Christians, as followers of Christ, we've all been gifted. And the gifts we have are to be given. They're not to be hoarded. They're not to be buried. We're going to see that in the text today as Jesus talks about these servants and one of them who buried his gift. We've all been given a gift to be shared for God's glory. Because I wasn't preaching, though, last Wednesday, this past Wednesday, Gary, we showed his sermon on the screen. First time we did that, I was blessed by how well that worked, but Gary couldn't be with us from Indianapolis so on Wednesday, so we started that. And then I just went throughout the children's ministry on Wednesday night to see what was going on, uh, to encourage and pray over uh, the things that were happening. And I'm so encouraged. Our children's ministry workers are amazing. Let's thank God for them. They, they do a great job. As I walked around the room, though, what, what really struck me more than just how many servers we had was the message the kids were hearing was powerful. They were learning about atonement. Even though I don't believe they heard the word atonement, their message was clear that Jesus died and shed his blood so their sins could be forgiven. And the kids were soaking that up. I'm not sure how many of our community kids have ever known that Jesus died for them. And they were hearing that. But what really struck me, what really uh, got to my heart and made my ears perk up was I walked into the, um, the preschool area downstairs and, and the kids had just finished their time of worship. They were jumping around and having a good time. But like clockwork, they knew what was next. I guess uh, they knew snack time was coming. So they moved quickly to the tables. They sat down and they bowed their heads, okay? And they were, they were, they were ready to pray. I was just kind of watching all this and this little uh, preschool boy, he began to pray and he said this, dear God, thank you for my friends and thank you for these animal crackers. And he opened his eyes and I saw this because I was just observing everything, but everybody else on the table was still like this. And then about a few seconds went by, which seemed like a long time. That boy's just standing there and the teacher kind of opened her eyes and she looked at him and he goes, that's all, that's all. <laughs> 
the next thing that happened was in unison, the, the, the group of preschoolers kind of uh, cheered and they began to consume their animal crackers. They were very pleased with the short prayer. Okay. I just could tell that. So I was inspired by that. I thought today I'd offer you a shorter sermon. I've taken the points down from seven to six. So let's go, right? Only six. Two weeks ago, we did start this series though on improving our serve. And we studied at that first time together that Jesus showed how to serve by example. He, he had this last supper figured out. He was getting ready to share with them uh, the instructions for communion that we're gonna share forever until he returns. We proclaim his death until he comes again. And he's about ready to tell them about the importance of the communion meal. And they're arguing about who's the greatest. Remember that? Uh, they're saying, oh, I'm the greatest. I, have the, I wanna have this position. I'm gonna have this power. And Jesus hears this, mum, this murmuring and, and this argument and he calls them on it and he begins to show them what's greater than having a position of power but being a servant. For Jesus did not come to be served but to serve. And he takes out the outer cloth and he begins to wash their feet. Why? Because it needed to be done. Because they stank. Not only their feet but their attitude. Jesus uh, acknowledged this attitude of, of selfishness and pride. And he says, I, I'm going to take care of your feet that stink. And also your attitudes have to be adjusted if you're going to be a leader in my kingdom. And we saw that first week that if we're going to improve our serve, we've got to do some of the things that nobody wants to do, like washing feet. Like doing the thing that everyone else thinks is beneath them. If you were here that first week and you were here last week when Gary says we all need to be serving, I wonder how many of you in the last two weeks have done something that nobody really wanted to do? Honestly, how many of you have done something that, that really was a hard thing to bring yourself to do but you knew it needed to be done? Raise your hand. Great, three of you. I'm glad this messages are really having an impact. Now, I saw a few more hands than that. But how often do we pass on something because, yeah, somebody else would do it. To improve our serve, we need to be doing the things that nobody else wants to do because it needs to be done. Jesus gave us that example. But today we're going to focus on this other half. It's, it's completely different, but it goes hand in hand and it's perfect when you do them together. We need to improve our serve by doing what we do best. There comes a point where, yeah, we'll do whatever needs to be done, but then we've got to step away from that. God, what do you have me to do today? How have you gifted me? What, what gifts and abilities have you done uh, to have me excel for your glory? We need to be willing to do that thing that we're only capable to do ourselves. And that's our sweet spot of service often. It may only happen a few times your life. It may happen every day. But I believe that's why the dream team of the staff is coming along. Now we need to understand, I need to say this, the elders are putting together a dream team, not so you can set back and be served. That goes exactly opposite of everything we're setting out to do. Our mission is to love God, love people, and to serve all. And that means all are serving. See, the, the staff and the elders are here to equip you, to train you, to, to empower you, to give you the authority to serve the way God has gifted you. And I think our dream team has some sweet spots. For example, like Ben Allen, haven't we already seen him grow in the last nine months in leadership of, of not only the worship, but his, his heart and teaching? He prepares us to worship here and out there. He, he's got a sweet spot. Nathan Andrus is a, a leader of leaders. He's a problem solver. He's got a sweet spot. 
Andrea, his wife, is an organizer, an educator. She's got a sweet spot. Ben Harris uh, has an ability to, to get the attention of her students. He was at her house last night. He spent the night, and my kids, all of them, were just attracted to, to what he has to say about the Lord and his life. He's got a sweet spot with youth. Tiffany, my wife, is amazing with kids. She loves leading them to worship. She has a sweet spot. Uh, Michelle, who works with the kids, she loves the kids, and she's our superstar of Touchpoint. You may not even know what that is, but she's a superstar at that. She's got a sweet spot. Diane is great with the numbers and getting the most of our resources and being accountable for them. She's got a sweet spot. Gina knows our building inside and out, and she's passionate about having our resources be the very best they can here on the property. D Arms uh, has never met a stranger, and some of you know that, and he's got a pastor's heart. He's got a sweet spot. Belinda uh, makes us all better. I I think Belinda is like Barnabas. She's the encourager. She's always encouraging us. Remember about her deadlines. She's making us better. She reminded me this morning, VBS is only 11 weeks away, okay? She's got a sweet spot. She does great. So much of us, we need to realize we need to be willing to do whatever we can do, but we have been gifted by God in these sweet spots to service. What's yours? You can wash feet, you can change the dirty diaper, you can take out the trash, but what's your sweet spot? Where has God gifted you to really shine for him in that special place of service? You might say, well, Tyson, what's yours? You didn't mention yours. Well, that's a little more complicated. Mine is not as obvious as Ben's or Ben's. Uh, at different times in my life, especially whenever I was a staff on one, uh, in my church ministry where there was one person on staff, I did a lot of those things. I was kind of like the master, uh, jack of all trades, a master of none. Anybody can relate to that? Like, I don't really know my gift. But we all have a gift. At home, yesterday I realized when I was thinking about this message, I found myself vacuuming. If vacuuming needs to be done, I'll vacuum. I don't really know that I have the gift of vacuuming though, okay? That may not necessarily be my gift, Uh, but I'll do those things that need to be done. I enjoy mowing, I enjoy working in the yard, but what I've really began to to strengthen is my gift to fix things. It's more of a talent than a gift. If something's broke, I'll try to fix it. If something's not quite working right, I'll try to fine tune it. Here's been my philosophy lately. This is what I've been living out. I am curious enough to take things apart. I'm skilled enough to put them back together and I'm smart enough to hide the parts left over when I'm done. Think about that for a little bit. How many of you are like that? Maybe your husband's like that, wives. But it's kind of something I enjoy doing. Now I say all that to tell you this, I love being your pastor. But if all I did was mow the grass at home and here and fix things that are broken, you would need to find a new pastor because I wouldn't be using the gifts that God has given me to be in this spot to this role right now. On the other hand, I never want to quit being humble enough to fix something, to mow the yard or to wash feet. And that is true of you as well. Uh, In the next year to the next 30 years, until God calls us home, we need to be examining where's our sweet spot and know that we should excel at those things, always being humble enough to do whatever it takes, whatever needs to be done. There's a balance in that. And we need to improve our serve. Improve our serve by doing what nobody wants to do and by doing what God has gifted us to do best. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 24 today. We're gonna go to our main text in just a moment. In Matthew 24, here's the context. Jesus is letting his disciples know, 
hey, I'm going to be crucified, I'm gonna rise, and then there'll be a day I return. I want you to be ready for when I return. And by the way, you're a servant. So he tells them these, these uh, groups of stories to prepare them for his return. And Jesus is returning. I believe he could return any moment now. He could return any day. But he tells them this story about the potential day when he returns. In this story, he's gonna talk, tell us about three servants. And I think each one of us are a servant. And I would ask you, which one servant are you most like today? But these servants all received a talent. And we need to understand, in the context of this uh, story, in the context of 2,000 years ago, a talent was not what we think of it today. A talent, what we think of today is how well you can sing, maybe how fast you can run, how well you can tell a joke, or maybe uh, fill out a test, or fix something. Those may be talents. In today's story, a talent is really a unit of measurement. It's a weight, like uh, 50 pounds or a ton. It was a unit of weight that was usually uh, describing gold and a talent was this specific measurement and, and Jesus is saying these guys received this talent of weight of gold. Now look, look with me to the text. Verse 14, it says this. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received five talents went at once and traded with them and he made five more talents. He doubled them. So he also had two talents he made with two more, this guy. Verse 18, but he had received one talent, went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents here, and I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also said to the two talents, come, came forward, saying, Master, you delivered me with me two talents here. I have made two more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little and I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also had received one talent came forward saying, master, I knew you're a hard man reaping where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have that is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reaped where I have not sown and gathered where I have scattered no seed. Then why ought you have, you have invested my money with bankers and in my coming I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who had 10 talents. For to everyone who has will be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast this worthless servant into utter darkness, outer darkness, into the place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Guys, this is a wake-up call. Jesus goes before these uh, three uh, uh, servants in this story, and he says they've all been blessed. He says the master uh, expects them to have a return on his investment. Here's the first reminder here. We are all servants. 
You're like, well, who, who she is talking about here? I believe he's talking about any and everyone that comes underneath the master, underneath God. Anyone who makes Jesus his savior is also to make him his Lord and King. And we're to be his servants. There's a theme throughout the entire Bible that we are all servants. You're like, well, I came here to kind of be entertained, to be served. Well, then you have come to the wrong kingdom. The kingdom of God is about us being blessed by Jesus Christ and his forgiveness that he offers so much that we would say, I would do anything for you, Lord. Jesus, in this day, would have literally, uh, they would have known that this servant owned nothing of his own. That everything a servant would have would come from the master that he would be entrusted by. In the same way, everything that we have belongs to our master, our time, our talents, our treasures. Everything, anything you have has been given to you to be used for his glory. And I I want to admit, for us as red-blooded Americans, at times this is difficult to process because we have been uh, conditioned to believe that we're free and we, we belong to ourselves. And everything that we have is ours uh, to decide what we want to do with it. But I love you too much not to challenge your thinking on this. I know we've, we've been trained to think this way. But if you're a Christian saved by the blood of Jesus, you're not your own. Here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Which I thank God for the freedom we have as a nation But spiritually and eternally, we are not our own. We have been bought by the blood of Jesus. Jesus gave his life. So anything and everything we do on any given day, we should have this mentality that we're living to serve him, to honor him, uh, to multiply the investments that he's given us. Man, when you wake up in the future, try to have this attitude. When you first uh, think of the, the day, say, Lord, I will do anything, anytime, anywhere for you. Lord, I will do anything, anytime, anywhere for you. I I challenge you to have that concept in your heart because we are his servants and we have been uniquely gifted. That's what it says. It says they were gifted according to their ability and they were gifted in different ways. One had one, one had two, and one had five. Uh, This was not just everyone uh, in the equal sense has the same giftedness, the same resources, No, think about it this way. You are all unique like everyone else. Each of you are unique like everyone else in the room. And that's just a a nice way to say we're different. Here's what the word of God says about this in Romans 12. We all have different gifts according to grace given each of us. Paul says in in 1 Corinthians 12, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but in all of them and to everyone, it is the same God at work. He distributes them to each one, just as he determines. Here's the cool part. It is God through the Holy Spirit who distributes his gifts and he determines and does it perfectly. So here's what I want you to know. You have been made different from everyone else in the room and you've been gifted differently and it's perfect. Here's one of the things we start to complain about. Well, I'm not as... uh, uh, as effective with students as Ben Harris. And I can't sing as, and, and lead as well as Ben Allen. I can very, uh, uh, myself, Tyson Graber can fall into those mindsets and be trapped by, well, I'm not as gifted as these two guys, so I'll just step back and not use my gift. You may have the same thought about us three and, and you're like, I, I can't do anything like that. But God is saying he has gifted you through the Holy Spirit perfectly, just as he desired. So we've got to stop focusing on what we don't have and use what we do. 
I think this third guy who received the one talent may have said, well, I didn't get five, I didn't get two, so I'm going to make sure I don't lose this and I'm going to bury it. And that's the worst thing he could have done. I wonder what talents you may have buried. I wonder what gifts and abilities you haven't put to use. Barbara Glanz is a corporate consultant. She goes around the, uh, the nation and even the world talking to corporations and to their employees about their gifts and abilities. And, and she went uh, one, at one conference, was talking to a national uh, a grocery store chain and she was talking to their, their stockers and their checkout uh, people and their baggers. Just those people were firsthand communication with the customer. And she said, and I quote this, she said, each of you should put your own signature on your job. What could you do that is uniquely you that tells your customer they are important? Great question. What can you do that only you can do to give value uh, to the team, to give value to those you're serving? A young man, 19 year old, has heard this challenge. He has Down syndrome, his name's Johnny. And Johnny heard uh, Barbara's talk and he was, he was challenged. He went home to talk to his mom and dad about what he could do and they quickly came up with this plan. Uh, Johnny for years had, uh, had loved to gather uh, quotes that were encouraging and, and motivational. And Johnny uh, had uh, hundreds of these quotes. He narrowed them down to 150 and he made copies of them and he put them in such strips that he could insert them in the bag after he was done bagging the groceries. Three weeks into this, he called Barbara, got her number and called her and said, told Barbara what he was doing. And she was amazed by this. That same day that he called Barbara to say how things were going, the manager came in the middle of the afternoon to the front of the store and he noticed that there was this one line that had every customer in it and there were other lanes open and no one was there and it bothered him. He began to ask people to move from, uh, from this aisle to another aisle so they could check out and people refused to move aisles. They all wanted to go through Johnny's lane. He, in fact, started talking to one man about why he was in that aisle. He says, I used to come here uh, once a, a week to buy groceries. Now I come here every day to get a quote from Johnny. Because Johnny in each bag would put a quote and then he said this, I hope it makes your day a little brighter. The store manager said that the rest of his staff began to do things that only they could do and their culture, their health, their store, their customers uh, grew and it was such a blessing. Since Johnny's success, it changed everyone's attitude. If Johnny could do it, so could they. Here's what I would tell you. If Johnny can do that, so can you. Some people look at a person like Johnny and think, well, he's only a one gift guy. Look what Johnny did with his one gift. Do you know of any other bagger had an influence that big? I don't, but Johnny did. I don't know what your life is heading in or what you're doing, but your gift can uniquely impact the body of Christ you're around for a great encouragement because you've been gifted greatly. That's the next thing you need to understand. We have all been gifted greatly. Remember in the story, Jesus said there was a, a person with five talents, one had two talents and one had one talent. Sometimes we feel sorry for that guy who had one talent. But remember, talent is not how well you can sing or how fast you can run. A talent was really a resource given by the master. It was a unit of weight, often in gold. And if you do the math, historians tell us that a talent of gold in this day would have been worth a, a lifetime of wage. Think about this, follow me on this. A lifetime of wage 
One talent would have represented. So a guy with two would have had two lifetime of wages. The five would have been given five times lifetime. Well, what would it be a lifetime of wage? Let's just pretend in the room right now that, that your annual wage is $25,000. Some of you make a lot more than that. Some of you make less than that. But let's say the average wage is $25,000 a year and you work for 40 years. That equals a million dollars. So even this guy who got one talent, one lifetime of wage would have received a million dollars. The guy with two, two million. The guy with five, five million. And sometimes we'll be like, oh, we feel so sorry. The guy, God only gave this one guy one talent. He gave him a million dollars in concept of value, more than enough to make a change of a life. And yet he buried it. Guys, Jesus is letting you know that you have been greatly gifted. Maybe it's with one talent, but it's enough to change the world. It's enough to, to really influence your life. The person with the least amount still has a lot. You've been greatly gifted. Man, I look around the room and I, I see so much giftedness. I see over here a president, a youth pastor, a custodian. I see elders. I, I see uh, leaders in the community. I see teachers. There's gifts all throughout this place, but are you using them for God's glory? Sometimes we think, well, God owes me something. He doesn't owe us anything. We're, we're here to serve him, but we must use our gifts. That's the main point. That's what Gary's point was yesterday. Last week is my point today. You got to use your gifts. Gary clearly said this. If you've received a gift, it's meant to be given, not to be buried, not to be held on to. If we've received a gift, it's meant to be given. You have to use your gift. You either use it or lose it. It'll be taken away. That's what Jesus says. Look what it says in 1 Peter 4. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms. Each of you should use whatever gift. Who did it say should use their gift? Somebody figured it out. You guys aren't very confident about this, are you? Each of you. Whether it's in teaching, whether it's in generosity, whether it's in service, whether it's in exhortation, whether it's in uh, discernment. Man, there's so many gifts that God's calling us to use. And we need to identify our gifts. Here, here's the best way to identify our gift. You might say, well, man, he's going to lead us to a book that we should read. No, here's the best way you can identify your spiritual gifts. Ask God. Because who, get, who gives them? God through the Holy Spirit. So ask him, God reveal to me through your Holy Spirit what gift I, what gift I have and how I can use them. I have never had God speak in an audible voice saying, Tyson, here's your gift. But he has revealed them to me over time. So ask him before you leave today, maybe right now, maybe the next rest of the sermon, the next five minutes or whatever, you just need to be talking to God. God, show me what gift you have for me. And I believe he'll share it with you. Another thing you can do is just ask God, show me what I'm good at. Ask yourself, what are you good at? That may be your gift. The things you enjoy, the things you excel at. In elementary school, I was probably second or third grade. I knew what I was good at, at least I thought so. I was going to be the next country music star. I was going to be the next George Strait, to be honest. How many of you know George Strait? He's the king of country. Man, I, I, I knew I had, I had a cassette, like his first greatest hits album. Uh, a lot of the songs went like this. I've got some oceanfront property. Well, let's quit that. Here's what I realized quickly. I thought I was good at that and I experimented with it. I wasn't. I lacked a few things to be the next George Strait. I, I lacked the looks, the clothes, and the voice. Just a small problem. But I experimented and found out that wasn't my talent. But here's what you can ask yourself uh, related to what you're doing for God. Look at these questions. Do I enjoy preparing for that service or that ministry, that work? 
what you're gifted at, you're probably going to enjoy even preparing for. Secondly, do you enjoy the moment of your serving that ministry, that work, that person? Do you look forward to the next time you get to do that work or that service? If the answer is yes, yes, and yes, it very well might be a gift. Do you receive positive feedback from serving? If the answer is yes, it, it might be your gift. As I looked at those questions that Gary shared with us last week on Saturday, I thought of preaching and he was preaching last Sunday. And so I started thinking, man, I do enjoy preparing for sermons. I, I very much enjoy the moment where I get to share God's word with you and challenge you from God's word. In fact, when I was sitting there for three services in a row and Gary was preaching, I, he got me so excited. I'm like, hey, let's do two sermons right now. I'm ready to go. I long for that moment. Do you look forward to the next time? Absolutely. Do you receive positive feedback sometimes? Okay. Sometimes I also received questionable feedback, but God's working in that. You might say, well, I don't even know what gifts are. Well, the word of God tells us, look in the, look in the scriptures. In Romans chapter 12, you can see a list of scriptures, a list, a list of spiritual gifts, 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 4. If you've never seen in God's word how God gifts through the Holy Spirit these gifts, study those passages. It's another way to find out your gift. Here's something we're offering to you that, that comes out of these three scriptures is a spiritual gifted test that you can take starting today. On our website, the homepage of our website, you can click on a link and fill out your name and email address and take the test. It takes about 30 minutes. And based on the scriptures here uh, and your own thoughts and your experiences, the, the, it will produce a result and say, hey, this may be your gift. It may be teaching. It may be generosity. It may be service. It can get you thinking about how God's gifted you. Ron Schaufferberger, one of our elders, when I was explaining this on Wednesday night, he goes, well, well, how can I make sure I pass the test? You can't fail this test, okay? This is, this is just for you to kind of become accustomed um, to, to what's available out there. You can also receive it through an email, possibly today, on Facebook. If you cannot get online, many of you online are online, so you can go to our website even now. You're taking it, hopefully, right now. But if you're here and you don't have a computer, call the office and we'll set up a time where you can take it on one of ours. Here's what I promised you. If you take that test and pray over it, we will be in communication, myself or one of the elders or staff member, and we want to make sure that we get you plugged into your place of giftedness. Does the test make that all perfect? Absolutely not, but it starts a conversation. It, it makes us reach out to God for help. Identify also your passion. What just gets you fired up? Identify need and meet it. Look around, open your eyes to see what needs to be met and, and serve in that way. Here's some ways you can serve. VBS is coming. Jan, uh, excuse me, uh, July 19th through the 23rd, we're having VBS and it's going to be during the day. So here's a curveball. We haven't had VBS during the day as long as most of us can remember. And what that challenge is, uh, many of you have served a VBS after you work, you're not going to be available. So we need people who are free during the day. If you can serve, man, meet that need. Also sign up to serve at camp this summer. Also, you can sign up and, and apply to go on our mission trip to Mexico. October 31st through November 5th, we're going to Mexico as a church family, sending a group down there. And that group is going to build a house with the money you provided during Resurrection Sunday and Easter season. We have a house that's going to be built for a family, but we need your help to do it. If you're gifted in, in carpentry, maybe uh, uh, with electric skills, if you're just a, an encourager, if you have energy, if you just want to go down and love on a family in Mexico and you have a gift, we want to put it to work. So here we're having a, a, a meeting May 25th at 7 p.m. in the Family Life Center. And if you need to know more about that before that meeting, ask Marvin Warner and he can help you with that.
Some of you are like, well, that's not, none of those are going to work for me. I, I don't see any needs. I want to share with you what Jesus would say to this. Jesus said in John 4, I tell you, open your eyes. There are needs all around. There are needs that you can met sitting around you in the form of a person who has a need. There are needs with your neighbors. There are needs with the teachers of school. There are needs with the, your coworkers. Open your eyes and look at the fields. They're ripe for the harvest, but we've got to begin to use our gifts. What if I fail? It's a great question. I think one of the main reasons why we don't use our gifts is we're afraid of failure. But here's the promise, I believe, based on the story that Jesus tells, we will succeed when we serve. See, there's three servants in this story. The difference between success and failure is just trying. Because when God is in it and we're using his gifts, he will make, he will make success. And notice that 100% of the servants in this story succeeded. 100% who tried. Success means that God doesn't just give us everything we want or bless us with tremendous success right off the bat, but it means that he'll use your gifts for his glory and his good. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians 9. Now may he who supplies seed for the sower, it's God that supplies it, and bread for the food, supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Here's what I get from that. God gives it. We plant it, we put it to use, and then he makes the harvest. He increases the, uh, the return. Guys, here's the good part. It's not up to us. Uh, it's not based on our abilities. There will be times when we have mistakes, but he will bring success because it's he that produces the harvest. You might say, well, I've never had a harvest. Maybe you're playing it too safe. Maybe you're that guy or a woman who's been bearing your opportunities and you've never seen them grow. It doesn't mean you won't have moments you fall, but he's going to help you succeed. Paul Harvey put it this way. He used to what he said. He says, the secret to his success was when he fell down, he got back up. Some of you have tried before and you've had moments where you're like, man, that hurt. Some of you, it's time to get back up, to get in the game and to use your gifts and abilities for God's glory. Here's why I'm so excited about that. When God gives success, it's more than you and I could ever imagine. He's the way maker. He's the miracle worker. And when we trust him, when we use our gifts and abilities, he's going to do more than we can imagine. And, and that's amazing. But here's the other part of that. I have to tell you this. You'll be held accountable for what you know is your gift and ability that you're not using. There will be a day when Jesus says, uh, when everything is laid bare and he returns and we will come before him and he says, give an accounting of how you used your gifts. And is he going to say, well done, good and faithful servant? Or is he going to say, like Gary said, well, what'd you do? And if you haven't done nothing, he's going to see uh, you servant, you slothful, lazy servant uh, away from me because you've done nothing. There's going to be a day where we're going to be held accountable. But there's also going to be a day for those who have been faithful will be rewarded. Well done, good and faithful servant. Look what Jesus says in Matthew 10. He says, and if you give even a cup of cold water to one of the least of my fathers, you will surely be rewarded. Jesus here saying, whatever you do to serve others with the gifts you have, you're going to have a reward. Some of you guys are going to be rewarded so amazing because you're like a, a 10, 20, 30 talent person you're using. Praise God for that. But some of you are, are five or one and you've done nothing and he's going to say, well. Jesus tells us another story in Luke 12 
about a guy who had the world by the tail. He was gifted. He was talented in the ways of the world. He was able to, to multiply his own resources. And the Bible says that he kept building barns and bigger barns. And he kept storing more and more uh, resources up so he could have a kingdom on earth. And there was a day when, when God uh, met him face to face when his life was asked of him. And God said to him, you fool, this very night your soul is required of you. What have you done to invest in the kingdom? What will it be? Will God say, well done? Or will he say, you fool? The, the, the choice is up to you. God has given you uh, so many blessings. Are you going to be a faithful servant? It's time to improve or serve. And I'm so thankful so many of you are going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Today, as we sing this song of decision, if you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never made him your savior and your Lord, there's really no way you can serve like you're supposed to. So it starts with that, declaring who he is. Would you stand with me and sing? Father in heaven, I pray that we would make you not only our savior, but our Lord, and then serve you with our gifts and abilities. Father, if someone here today is need to make a, a decision in their heart to, to change the way they're living to what they're doing, I pray that you would move in their lives and in their hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.